Hello again and welcome to the Master's Voice. I am Celestial and you are welcome to this channel. To old and new subscribers alike, you are very welcome. The Master's Voice is an end times prophecy blog. This is a place where the messages of the Lord Jesus Christ, the messages that come by the Holy Spirit, the decrees of the Most High Yah, the Lord God Almighty, have been handed to me over a period of several years, many years, since the year 2012. I have been taking these things down in trust as the Lord has commanded me, dreams that he has shown me, visions that he has shown me, teaching, extensive teaching that he has given me concerning the events of the end time. The end time is not an extremely far off time. This is actually the times that we are at the cusp of, we are at the lip of it, so to speak, and have already started to enter into many of the experiences that you will hear on this on this blog. So if you're an old subscriber or a new subscriber, you're very welcome to the master's voice. A few tips to new subscribers to help you navigate the blog. This is an extensive work. I started it in May of 2019. That is when the Lord spoke to me and told me it is time to now publish all the things that I have been saying to you, the dreams that I've been showing you, the things that I've been teaching you, the disasters that I have pronounced on different nations, the premier nation of which is the United States of America. The Lord prevailed upon me strongly to start writing that blog. I wrote the blog for about a year and a half. And then in August of 2020, the Lord said, it's now time to take these things to video. Quite a difficult decision, but by his grace and anointing, I was able to do it. And so if you're a new subscriber, you are many years behind, about four and a half years behind. And that means that there is a lot of information that may seem confusing to you. You might be bewildered. You might think there's no way that I can possibly go through all this many videos and catch up, but it is in your best interest to devote the time the same way I have devoted and sacrificed the time to make these videos. And now they are here as a testament of my faithfulness and my honoring of the Lord Jesus Christ. It is up to you to devote the time so that you can become aware of what the landscape will be like in the future. If you are new, the fastest way that I can recommend for you to catch up is to use the podcasts. The podcasts are literally hands-free, unlittered, unfettered listening. I quite prefer them myself. The podcasts are on Google and Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, and Spotify. You just look for the Master's Voice Prophecy blog. You subscribe there. I don't think you have to be a member of those platforms, but I'm not sure. And then you will be able to simply go through, I think there's themes. The prophecies are organized by themes or playlists there. And once you start listening to a playlist, if you will simply allow the words of the Holy Spirit to reach you and to teach you without the, I guess, without the confusion or without the involvement of commenting and everything like that, you can get a lot done. You can go through your entire day listening to those things, and you will find that you can move through the material much, much quicker than here on video. However, if you want to stay here and you want to listen on video, I have a dashboard and on the dashboard, everything is listed and you'll find playlists. Some people have been having trouble in finding the dashboard. All you do is simply look below the video. You'll see the title, the master's voice prophecy blog, or you'll see the little circle, the little circle thing that's there, the picture. You can click either one of that and then it takes you to the dashboard. And that's where you'll see home videos, um, community about playlists 
click the playlist and then you can see the different types of playlists that I have. I have a sin series. Those are the sins of America. The Lord has been listing. There is a repentance series, especially good series for people who know that they are in cyclical sin, or you simply want to check. Many of us need to do a personal wellness check because many of us imagine that we are so close to God and we are the friend of God. And then you go through that repentance playlist and the thing starts hitting you in the ribs, letting you know that the walk you thought was so tight has massive holes and it will not do to be a Christian with holes in the final days. The most important playlist here on the master's voice is the Russia and China playlist. Russia and China are going to come to the United States and invade it. If your favorite pastor, prophet, or whoever else talking head is not telling you that you are definitely in the wrong place. And most of them are gutless wonders. And they will never tell you that un until the day it becomes quite palpably obvious that those things will befall America. And then they will start crying upon the walls. Watch out. We're about to get invaded. And of course, prophecy is no good if someone is giving it to you the weekend before Vladimir and friends get here. I have been seeing these things since 2013 when the Lord used to show it to me in dreams. And then he started speaking about it in 2015, formally speaking about an invasion of the United States. And in fact, I've been going through a lot of the material as I've been doing the compilations. And one thing I noticed is that the very first formal prophecy, written prophecy that I got about the, um, the United States being invaded in the end times by Russia and China, that Russia and China were actually here in sleeper cells. The date of that prophecy is literally one day before Barack Obama made gay marriage legal in this country. Because I know that the day it happened when I was watching that situation on TV, the fury that was coming out of the Lord, I could feel a palpable anger as he was speaking to me about that. But the day before, this is, I think it's June 25th. It's June 25th, 2015, the very next day that law was passed in the country. But the day before, the Lord pronounced the prophecy, and I cannot forget the opening of that prophecy. The opening words is, today the Lord announced to me the end of America. So listen to that emphatic statement. 2015 is almost 10 years ago, and the way the Lord started the prophecy was to tell me, today is America's end, just an ordinary day. This decision was made by the Lord long before it became public to us. And the reason it is prophetic, because it is coming now long before the things actually happen. Russia and China playlist is very important. There's a supernatural playlist that is also very important. In 2021, the Lord began to put excessive pressure on me to start talking about aliens, to start talking about otherworldly creatures, to start talking about the Nephilim, to start talking about the fallen angels. These are things that it is rare or impossible to find in the modern day church. Strangely enough, people in the world know about this because these items show up in the movies they watch. It shows up in the books that they're reading. Every other boyfriend these days is a werewolf or a fallen angel or a man who has glittery skin. It's always something. But in the church, we are so closed off from the information that actually pertains to us. These things are themes from out of the scripture, but they are not usually revealed to Christians. The Lord began to put serious pressure on me. And I remember, Lord, I do not really want to start talking about these things because these things are the kinds of things that either will excite a lot of 
talk and misplaced interest as in people will start coming to the blog because they want to hear another zombie story. They want to hear another Nephilim story. They want to hear another thing and marvel. They will lose sight of you, Lord. This is what I was telling him that people will start to come here for the shock value, right? Because it sounds similar to pop culture. And also Lord, these kinds of things are very hard to talk about in public. But he kept saying to me, they need to know, they need to know, they need to know. And so as far back as 2021, I started talking about dreams that I've been seeing since I was a child. That's when these dreams first started. I've never had these encounters in person. Praise the Lord. The Father has always protected my soul, protected my life, protected many things about me for the sake of him using me now. But I started talking about these things. I started telling Americans that the day will come that you will see these ships appearing boldly all over the major centers of this city of this nation. There's not a city that they will not appear over. I started telling people that God says, if you are unwise with your children, if you're unwise and you keep going off to the woods because you think that you're just Daniel Boone and friends and that nothing can happen to you, you they will just mail your socks and your water canteen and, and your tent back to your wife. That will be all that they will find of you. I started talking about the fact that these, these creatures, especially the ones that stand up on two legs, will become very bold. They will start coming close to where human habitations are, including cities. So I began to say things that people were finding very far-fetched. And then before you know it, just two years later in 2022, the U.S. government started releasing footage and saying out loud with their collective mouth that their pilots had been having dog fights with unidentified flying objects for years, and they were seeing things go at quantum speed, and nobody was very interested because at that time, the government always releases information to deflect from other major things going on. But now, another year later, in 2023, we see now actual inquests being held. Whistleblowers coming out and saying, yes, we've seen the ships, we've worked on the ships, we have some of the bodies and things like that. The problem with the church is that the church always wants to bring up the rear, which is an embarrassing position for people who are supposed to be spirit and not flesh to bring. So this blog has been raised up by the Lord for one purpose. The primary purpose is that the Lord is going to judge Mystery Babylon, which is the United States of America. That is the central theme to this blog. This blog is a personal conversation between God and America. And the reason that it is shockingly taking so long to get through these prophecies, far longer than I ever thought it would be, is because the Father is adamant that every word will be spoken, nothing will be left out, there will be no confusion. And that is because for a man to be judged, he must know his crime, he must know his guilt, and only then can you pronounce him guilty. You can never say that a person is guilty in his absence. It doesn't count. He has to be there. A man has the right to face his accuser. A man has the right to know the charges. And a man must be allowed. Please listen, because this is the most important part that is going to be explained in this prophecy. I'm starting the slavery series today. Um, that's why I've been cutting clips for you. That's why I've been cutting clips to sort of, the Lord said, send the message ahead as a witness. And so there are about 20 or so videos concerning the judgment of slavery coming to the United States. And so it was quite, um, it was quite an undertaking to do that. And so for a man to be judged, he has to be present. He has to know his crime. 
He has to know his accuser. He must be given a chance to answer. This is the part, America, where you have failed. This is the part where you have failed so graphically that um, despite the fact that God already told me what the answer would be, it has been nothing short of a learning curve to see it in person. It is, for me, it is literally like having a Bible experience, experiencing Old Testament situations where the Lord will send a messenger to a nation to speak to that nation its guilt in the expectation that when the nation hears of its guilt, it will be convicted of sin and will then move to the next logical step, which is repentance. Instead, America has literally outperformed Israel by every metric, saying things that even Israel did not say, doing things that even Israel did not do to the messenger that God sent. This has been an upfront, as someone once said to me, Celestial, you have the best seats in the house. And so judgment only takes place when the accused is present, when the accused gets to face the accuser, when the accused hears the charges, and then tellingly, when the accused has a chance to answer. And so to the righteous people in the land, the Christians who are busy uh, falling into the much smaller basket of the wheat, you are repenting, you are convicted, your heart has been pierced when you hear the words, even if you are not committing some of the sins that are being spoken of, you realize that God is righteous in his judgment. And so these things have moved your heart from where it had wandered to, and you have started to find your way back to the Lord's barn. The message here in the slavery series that you will hear is that there are too few of such people to make any type of difference at all. I hope you're listening because this is all just the introduction. Many things are being woven in, so that you can be able to find your way around this blog quickly and do yourself the best favor of your life. Nobody is going to teach you out there the way you get taught here. So if you're out there listening to fluff noise and pig snuffles, and that is keeping you from being able to receive here, all I will ask you politely is just keep it moving. There's too much choice on YouTube for you to be here huffing and puffing like Elmo. You just need to keep on going and I will keep on going because the outcome of these prophecies is that I'm going to finish them. That's the thing. After all the noise and all the hubbub, please remember the people in the world have not discovered this blog yet. All this that is happening is just within the Christian space. People who are led by political lusts, worldly lusts, people who don't know Jesus, they haven't discovered this blog yet. They are unmoved. They do not know that Ebola is coming. They do not know that um, Marburg is coming. They do not know that the bubonic plague is coming. They do not know that this nation is going to be hit with plagues and put into concentration camps. If they knew, they would be praying. They would not be out there fighting for their rights against Governor Hochul because Governor Hochul is just the first shot across the bow of the fact that America will have gulags, America will have concentration camps, America will have something that I'm going to describe at the end of this video because there's no need to make a separate video. America is going to have public executions public executions. This was the recent dream that I think the Lord gave me on February 9th or 10th over the weekend at some point. Had that dream, did not even want to go back to sleep for some time because seeing that type of thing up close, seeing it up close is very different 
than watching it in the movies. So the people of the world do not know what is being spoken here. And most of the people in the church do not know what is being spoken here. And the people who God is trying to reach are being turned aside to fables. People telling them that they will have peace and safety. People telling them that the messages here are not true, that they are corrupted doctrine. And yet these same people do not have the guts to preach these things from the mighty platforms that they have. And so they are complicit in the eventual destruction of the church that is coming. And this too will be required at their hands. For you cannot claim to be a shepherd of God's people and refuse to give them the grass that saves. That being said, we are here in what is known as the Slavery Chronicles, four very difficult prophecies that the Lord gave me, and I think they might all have been received the same day. Just a moment, please. Yes, they were all received the same day. The Lord has this thing whereby he will simply download prophecy at such a speed. It will either be all at once, I've had a chance, I've had a situation where I've been seeing about eight or nine or 10 visions at the same time, stacked like little transparencies, like this thing right here. Just a moment, please. They all looked like this. This is a transparency that protects uh, the laptop. And so they were all stacked like this, one, two, three, four, five. And I was looking through them and I was seeing a scene playing on each one. And most of those prophecies ended up in the series that is called Immolators of Desire, about eight or 10 visions about the horrific sexual immorality and the sexual perversion and sins of a bodily nature that happen here in America. You watch that thing and you still want to be out there fornicator, fornicating. All I can say is that you are braver than most people. You definitely want to go head to head with God. And so the Slavery Chronicles, and this one is the first one, and it is called America in Chains. America in Chains. And the date on this is June the 7th, 2019. So this was one of the very first crystallized um, visions that the Lord gave me about the fact that America is going to have slavery in the future. And before I start videos, I always pray and I ask the Lord, is there anything that you want to say? And the Lord said to me, Celestial, make it clear to them that slavery is coming to America first and foremost as a direct repayment for the slavery of the past. So if you've been hearing about Americans will be taken from their homelands, people will be shackled and people will be put on ships and they will be taken away. The Lord has listed many reasons for that kind of punishment coming to this country. The Lord has said that for the killing of babies, the merciless abortion of babies, the way that children are not even received here with the same intention that God creates them. So God, God is the one who creates babies. Psalm 139 clearly tells us where each and every single one of us comes from, that we are knit together in the darkness, the secret place he calls it, of the mother's womb. And when God does anything in this world, he is intensely, what? Intentional. God does not do a single thing. He does not speak a single word, nor does he make a single move without a purpose and intention for it. Talk about a person who does not waste time, waste words, waste anything. Nothing is wasted with God. So if God will take hair and teeth and skin and life and beauty, because babies, they come out and they immediately tug at 
the internal parts of those who create them. If God has created these small and precious gifts, do you think that the intention for that workmanship, the uniqueness, not only in the external look of the baby, but what this child will grow up to be, all the precious things that he or she will say, the pursuits they will have, the life that they carry, the breath, the spirit that has been given to animate them. If you prepared a meal and you took it to the family table and you set it down after devoting many hours and your family members, the husband and the children looked at it and said, hmm, and then slapped it on the table and proceeded to trample on it, messing up the kitchen floor. And then all of them walked out and went to go to McDonald's. Would you say that that was the expected end of the time, effort, ingredients, and money that went into the meal? If this is so, if right now, as you're listening to this illustration, you understand that that is an impossibly selfish, ungrateful, and cruel way to respond to making a meal, what do we think abortion is? What kind of response is abortion to the Lord creating a life? That is what the slavery boats are for. The second reason that the slavery boats are coming is because the Lord says that Americans don't know how to keep their clothes on. So I've been speaking about this for years and then people will say, why are you trying to be the policeman of the fashion? And I'm thinking, I don't care about your fashion. The Lord has set this word in my mouth and it will surely come out because the Lord cares about decency and morality the world over. The uncovering of flesh excites sinful appetites and behaviors, both in those who uncover and those who look upon what is uncovered. And by the spreading of human license, human looseness, human promiscuity, demons enter in because demons are always the first guests to arrive at parties of perversions and whoredoms. Whenever a nation uncovers itself, lust, Leviathan, Jezebel, and other such spirits, Delilah, seduction, whoredoms, that massive principality demon that is in charge of all the lewdness and the acts, these things come into the nation and you cannot expect that the Holy Spirit will continue to hover over a nation that has basically turned into a brothel with its brothelies and brothelites walking around freely and saying, but it's hot, my body, my choice, and all the little slogans that are rife in this country. So for nakedness, for lewdness, for porn, for masturba masturbation, for adultery, for pedophilia, for bestiality, for pimping out small children, for child trafficking, for all the deeds that tear flesh, for child abuse, pedophilia, for all those things. What must the Lord answer the nation? Must he say, well, you know, I waited and I waited and I waited and it only continued to grow and the victims piled up until you yourself who practice it do you not know that you are a victim? If you are a man and your mind becomes seized with the imperfection of confusion that you are a woman, and the only way to settle that confusion, that demon-derived confusion, is that you must succumb to scalpel and cut off what makes you a male and then say that now my mind is at rest. Your mind isn't at rest. You're in agonies of agonies. 
You're dealing with sepsis and you're dealing with sickness and you're dealing with affectations of femininity that are so exaggerated that us real women can only look at you in pity because we don't behave that way. You can only mimic, you can only mime what you think womanhood is, but you can never be a woman. You can never possess that experience. A man is not a woman and a woman is not a man. Go and look at that prophecy. That's one of the best and most anointed messages the Lord ever helped me to make, along with another one that is called Stay True to Your God-Given Gender. I'll try and link all these videos maybe in a day or two after I have time to get to gather the links. America has turned into a puppet show. And then to add insult to injury, she now insists that the puppet show be mimicked by countries around the world, or she won't give them money, or she won't give them time, or she won't give them um, their due space in the international space. So it's madness inside the borders and then strong arming and exporting the madness and other people are picking it up and following it. And they're feeling complacent in it because if America does it, then it must be okay a trendsetter of evil, how must the Lord answer this place? He will answer with ships of slavery. If you are still in this lifestyle, when Vladimir Putin invades this country, if you are still in this lifestyle, when that man comes here with those boats, helped by President Xi, helped by, um, is it Taiwan? Helped by Ukraine, helped by Japan, helped by North and South Korea, helped by the Germans. If you are still in this alternative lifestyle, rain, a child of the rainbow, when those people come here, you will be shown absolute, absolutely no mercy. They have a 0% tolerance for that. For greed, for wars, for rendition, for stealing other people out of their country, falsely accusing them, bringing them here, setting up kangaroo courts, murdering them, like animals and then leaking the footage on the internet. How do you want to be answered? With hugs, with applause, with shouts of well done. Why do you want to be allowed to hide under the, the raggedy palm branches of if my people who are called by my name? Do you not know that some sin is so egregious that it has to be answered? If it is not answered, then every nation, every Muslim on earth will be within their rights to mock our God and say he is a joke because even false Allah has a sense of justice. Does America truly believe that God is willing to exchange his holiness in return for her to continue as an empire? This is preposterous. Why don't the pastors tell you this? Are you telling me in between 25 million get ready, get ready speeches, there wasn't a moment to preach holiness and a return to the cross? We've come to the place of no return. And this is what God told me to tell this country. No matter what you say, please listen to me. If this is too much for you, click off, have some lemonade, come back in the morning. We have come to the place and passed the point of no return. Along the coast of Western Africa, when the slaves were held, listen, when the slaves were captured, there came a place where if your foot trod that place, you were done for. You knew that you were either going to die on the passage across because you were not strong enough, you were not robust enough, maybe you were just a tiny petite little thing. And when your parents brought you into this world, they never dreamt that you would have to be strong enough for an ocean passage of months. And so you wouldn't make it. 
You knew that you would never come home. Nobody who ever crossed that great water where those people had never crossed it themselves ever came home. So they didn't need to know what was on the other side of the great water. They knew that the water meant the end. And so they named those places on the shore, the point of no return. And this is the identical and impeccable judgment of the Lord towards the United States. You want to argue that France did it, go right ahead. God never sent me to say a word to France concerning repayment for slavery. You want to say the Portuguese started it, the Spaniards were up in there, I bet they were. You want to say that this is an ancient Arabian practice, bring all the history books, we can look through it together when you have free time. Nevertheless, at the end of all that we do, the word of God is permanent. It is America who fought to institutionalize and preserve slavery who is in the shining spotlight in this series. Not America and friends, not America and whoever did it first. For all we know, the Arabs did it best. But it is America who is being judged. And that is because at the heart of the Slavery Chronicles lies the fact, and the Lord told me to say this tonight, and I'm saying it boldly with my whole face. The Lord said that you never should have touched his people. And this might sound ironic concerning that the Lord told his people in Deuteronomy 28, that if they played around with his covenant into those very ships of captivity and into horrific judgments, he would deliver them. But this is the nature of the Lord. The Lord will warn party A and give party A their covenant and tell them, if you break it, this will fall upon you. But if party A is led to break it, God will allow party B to perform the judgment upon them for God is just and his word cannot be broken. Party A will become the victim of party B because God warned that if you broke it, this and this and this will come upon you and somebody has to be hired by the Lord, a hired razor to do this and this and this. But after that, after that, for most punishers enjoy their role too much. After that, God will turn upon the punisher and act like he had no idea how the situation came to be, which is just metaphorical because he knows perfectly well how it came to be. He will turn to the punisher and then he will say, why were you not afraid to do this and this and this? And then he will punish the punisher. And in this way, God, the infinite and wise judge, balances the scales of justice in ways that human beings can only pretend to hope that they could ever be capable of. We are not capable of a perfect judgment because we are not capable of a perfect understanding of situations. We only see through limited, myopic, and often very prideful and selfish, but why me, types of eyes. God is not limited by our limitations, and so only God judges righteously. And God says to America that you never should have touched his people, the people that you found living here, who were also of the nation of Israel, and the people that you picked up and brought here to labor until they died. He says that this wound cannot be atoned for. And I'm simply here to reiterate that in the middle of whatever response, whatever backlash, I think by now everybody knows that I do not care. I only care about one person and I'm always talking about him. 
And he's the reason why no matter what happens, I'm always back here. By now, people should be asking themselves, what kind of person is this who keeps coming back? And if you haven't figured out that my motivation is not earthly, but that I am serving the Holy Spirit, and that is the reason I will keep coming back no matter what, until every last word has been set in place, then truly you do not understand what the Master's Voice Prophecy blog is. The primary reason that slavery will be returned to the United States of America is because the United States of America puts her hand, whether on purpose or by mistake, upon the jewel of the Lord and brought those jewels here. And the rest of the world is waking up to the fact that the jewels are indeed here. They are here. And the message to those jewels is, Polish up well. If you don't want to get on that boat again, my message has always been clear. Celestial, but what about us? What about us means stay out of the lifestyles that you have heard at the beginning of this prophecy unless you will go into that ship again. And what an irony to your ancestors that will be. You will go into it again with those who are paying the debt of their ancestors. And what a bitter pill for you that will be. Do not say that you were not warned by the mouth of one who speaks with the Lord. And so we begin. That is the message from the Lord. And right. The Slavery Chronicles, America in Chains, We'll call it part two because there was an introduction, um, which you can always go to the blog and read it. The blog can be found at www.the-masters-voice.com. And the date was June the, June the 7th, 2019. And we start with the question that the Lord was asking as I began to see this vision. I heard the Lord asking America this question like a child who has gotten lost. And the question is, what have you done, O oh America, and why are you standing here? What have you done, O oh America, and why are you standing here? And now here's the words that the Lord said in this prophecy. Now bind her, shackle her, and carry her off as she carried off others. Cry and weep, O oh America, as Rachel wept for her children long before. Your nation of family values is no more, for family will be a thing of the past. I will separate you as wheat from chaff, sheep from goat, the sheep safe under the shadow of my wings, the goats labeled and carried off like grocery produce. Your young ones will be taken from you, your wives violated and carried off. Grind your teeth, America, for the time of your separation is at hand. This is the pronouncement of the Lord. So the Lord said in the beginning, he was asking America, what are you doing here? And the reason he was asking that is because the vision that I was seeing was of a woman that had really come to what I will just only call the, the worst conceivable moment in any woman's life. You're a woman, you're listening to this, you know that there are many things that we can be afraid of, especially now in this world with such pop-up violence. But I think the most most women 
if not all women will agree. And the most terrifying thing that can ever happen to you is that you can be standing in the midst of men and you don't have enough clothes. You don't have enough clothes on you to protect you from their gaze. And you do not have a protector of equal or greater strength than the men you are standing in the midst of. This is a standing nightmare for any female. You ever walked home from the train, you ever walked home from the bus station, you ever had your car break down by yourself and someone stopped and said, can I help you? And you don't know if you need the help enough to get out of that car and, and leave the protection of the steel of the car. So God was asking this question to an America that had fallen upon the worst of the worst of her worst times. And uh, she was depicted as a blonde woman. So it's a very voluptuous and blonde woman standing there. And this was a series vision. And at the point he was asking her this question, she, she was standing on a beach and two men, dark haired men, these men were representing Russia and China. These two men had shackled this woman. And it was at the point where now they were going to take her away. And God asked this question. But first, let us go through what God is talking about. He's talking about binding her and shackling her and carrying her off as she carried off others. So America is being depicted as a woman, but we know that America is a nation and nations are run by policies. Nations are usually run by men. Nations are run by agendas. Nations are run by their needs. And the reason that America participated in the slave trade was the same as anyone else. The same as I think the Portuguese, the same as the Spaniards, the same as those great slavers the British, it was because she needed resources, she needed to grow, she needed labor. America was in the heart of development and there was all this free labor and so why not benefit from it? And so she brought people here and those people multiplied here exactly as they multiplied in the book of Exodus where uh, Abraham was told in the book of Genesis, nor of a surety that your descendants will be um, slaves in a foreign land for 400 years. But then God said that at the time that the iniquity of the Amorites was full, he, God, would bring Abraham's descendants out of captivity. And so God was basically giving Abraham sort of a time clock to let him know. So I know that a lot of people out there and they're counting like, oh, this many years is up and that many years is up. And all I have to say is the Bible is there. It is your friend. The Bible never promised that the end of uh, the modern captivity for God's people would have to be 400 years. What the scripture def definitely says there, because even at that time in the Bible, they didn't come out at the end of 400 years. They had no intercessor. They had no Daniel among them at that time. They were broken backed slaves. They had lost all their ability to have faith. They had lost all their ability to have trust. They were a broken people. They were just crying out and crying out and crying out and crying out. And eventually 30 extra years passed and they were still in captivity. And God realized that if I don't do something, then even my, my promise that I made, because no one is alive keeping the covenant. No one is alive keeping the covenant at this time. No one is alive remembering the promise. Abraham passed it down and somehow he passed it down. They went into captivity and they've all forgotten. The Joseph's people who kept covenant, they've all died. They now have Egyptian mindsets. They are cowed, they are broken. They don't have faith anymore. And God realized that it is his own strength and his own strong arm that was going to free these people or they were basically just going to stay slaves forever. 
And so God is the one who raised up his own intercessor. God is the one who went to Moses and broached the entire subject that I need you to do this work for me. Moses goes, you know the story, you can find it in Exodus. It was quite a problem to extricate those people because they were watched over by wickedness of wickedness named Pharaoh. But because God is greater than hard-backed people, God brought his people out at last, 30 years over the promise. And so nobody promised modern Israel that it was 400 years that they had to wait and count. What was promised and what was clear and what actually is the time clock is that when the Amorites had a full cup, then God said, know of a surety that he'll be bringing them out. So there was an Amorite nation and their cup had to be full. And now here we are in 2024, even though the first of those prophecies came, I think it would be about June, 2023. Yes, the cup of the Amorites is full. The iniquity of the Amorites has reached overflowing. And now God is saying here in these modern times that even though we don't have biblical Amorites walking around, the nature, the spirit, the pursuit, and the attitude of ancient Babylon, ancient Assyria, ancient the land of Shinar, ancient Chaldea, ancient Egypt, ancient Sodom, ancient Gomorrah, and the ancient Amorites. You can find all of them here in one nation. And this nation's cup is now full. When a cup of judgment is full and nothing is done to turn that cup back, it's absolutely going to fall upon the nation. The Lord said so himself. He said that when I think concerning a nation to do good and the nation begins to do evil, then I myself, I, God, I will relent of the good that I thought to do it. I will cast the nation down. I will pluck it up. But if I say that I'm going to judge a nation and that nation turns from their unrighteousness and they begin to do good instead of evil, then I myself will relent concerning the evil I thought to do it. So God is basically saying, choose your own ending. Nations, choose your own ending. People, if I say I'm going to do good and you depart from righteousness and begin to do unrighteousness, what makes you think I'm going to reward you with blessing? Cursings will come upon you because cursings are attached to sin. God could literally be reading a newspaper and not touch you when you start to sin. Sin has consequences, the worst of which is death. Second worst, the worst thing that can happen to you is not die because I've already covered this in the judgments of the pastors. Pastors will and have already been judged by death under that 10-year warranty, that 10-year death watch that God gave them. Some of them have already succumbed, but death is only the second worst punishment. The worst punishment in the world is to die and then be separated from God for eternity. The thief on the cross died, but we all know that he said he, he ended up in paradise with Jesus the next day. So not so bad. Loss for death, but then death had no sting and no power over that man. So his ending was bright, despite the method that he had to lose his life. Second worst thing is the judgment of death, but the worst worst is to die and then end up in hell, in the lake of fire. That is why Revelation 6 and 8 says, death was riding, and who was following after? Hades. That means that all those people who are going to fall in that judgment of Revelation 6 and 8 are not going to end up in hell. 
because death will mow them down. And just like a lawnmower, Hades, hell, is going to take all the clippings and claim them as his. What a terrible judgment. And so we're looking at the iniquity of the Amorites being full as the real time clock because God didn't tell anybody to count years. When the cup is full, then the jewels that are being held in the land that is about to drink that cup should look up because their redemption is nigh. And the Lord has pronounced 2023, it's either June or July. And then again, recently, as I was starting to handle, as I've been handling all these prophecies about the Yehudim being exposed and that God is going to vacuum those fake Jews out of the land of Israel because it's his land. He never created that state. That state was created by men. God has simply tolerated the existence of the thing, but now we are in the fulfillment of Bible prophecy. This is why it's important to listen and to put your feelings in a little jar and listen because the Bible is fulfilling itself. And who did we think it was going to fulfill itself on? We thought we were just going to go to Macy's for the rest of our lives and then die in peace. And then another generation rise up and be acting all shocked when their prophetic messenger is talking to them. No, it's us. It's now. It's time. It's us. It's now. It's time. The cup of America is now full. And as the Lord is pouring out the cup, he's going to be collecting those that he will save out of his appointed people and also out of the righteous whom are all nations in this cesspool because he has a plan for them, different plans for them, different endings for them. And these things will come to pass no matter who believes them or not, no matter who thinks it's fair or not. I didn't come to be an umpire of people. I came to give voice to God's opinion in the earth because it's high time that we heard from him for once without the theatrics, without the fakes, without the lies, without the incompetence, without people who can't teach the Bible accurately and have the members of the church staggering around listening to every format of lie. It is time for God to have a voice in our midst like he used to do in the Old Testament. He used to speak, the people listened, and they bloomed and blossomed because the word of God makes you very beautiful. It keeps you young. It makes you handsome. It makes you pretty. It gives you longevity. It gives you strength. If you love the word of God, it is the vitality of a man. No private jets can keep you virile, like reading several chapters of the Bible. It's a false virility. It's a false acceptance. Influencers, likes and clicks and putting all your business on the street so that people can care about you. It means nothing. The one who plants the word of God inside is a fruitful field that will continue to produce bushels of usefulness on earth. We don't have useful people on earth. Even when they're reading the Bible, they're too afraid to share their bushels of corn with others. And why wouldn't they be? We live in a savage society now. Wild animals masquerading as church people. The people in the street, the people in the world have better manners than church people. There's no boldness in the church today. The church is weak. The church is sick. The church is compromised. The church loves pedophiles. Where is God to start with us? That's why he's simply going to crush the mass and start over with a remnant, a small group, a tiny group. I'm telling you, there is no need to answer people in this generation because at the end, I won't be able to count on my fingers who is left. 
This is what God told Isaiah he would do in the final days. He said that the survivors, the number of survivors will be so few that a child may write to them. How many numbers does your little child know? One, two, five, seven, zero. They can't count that far. God is basically painting a picture when there's hardly anybody left. If you've ever read Isaiah 13, what are your expectations of the end times? Do you think that it will be a very large party? This is why I look in confusion at all these, we, in the end, we win people. I look and I say, God, this person, this person has never read the Bible in sobriety. There's no sober minds in our midst. How do you read Isaiah 13? How do you read Isaiah 13 that manages to talk about strong men, their knees becoming weak and their faces red as flames and they pant like women in labor because of the terror of what comes to their nations. How do you read this? How do you read that the Lord says that the earth will go dark? It's right there in Isaiah 13. How do you read all that and then start this rah-rah, we win? Of course we win. Jesus cannot lose to the fallen angels. The problem that is that we're going to win over the falling of many trees, the falling of the young men. We win at great cost. If you don't understand God, you will be so stressed out this entire end times. You won't be able to crack a smile. You will never be able to enjoy ice cream. You will constantly be grieving and moaning and then telling me that I'm the doom and gloomer as if I'm responsible for the fact that the pages of your Bible are stuck together with crazy glue. The Bible is a sobering book. And in between the pages of sobriety, it tells the sober reader, but take heart. That means I have just told you stuff that has probably stopped your heart from beating, but now I'm cheering you up with the fact that there will be rest. There will be peace. Peace. The Bible says there will be rest. We have to understand some of that rest is people sleeping. You will fall asleep. That's, that's a type of rest. It's not the rest that anybody wants, but it is prescribed by Dr. Jesus so that you don't have to get trampled by Nephilim. Woe to you if people are out there telling you that Nephilim is nonsense, delusion, fairy tale. Will those people answer to you when the Nephilim do come, when the giants return? You think that the giants were thinking about the false prophets when they were swearing oaths that they will come back? to get what is theirs, then God loves us and he reminds us that they're coming back and then you allow people to take you off the path of truth by telling you, oh no, it, it's not biblical because, because indeed. And so we have it here that the Lord is talking about shackling and binding and carrying off a nation as she carried off others and the time has now come when she will be carried off because her cup is full. And so we are in prophetic timing now. And God says that America will cry and weep like Rachel was weeping for her children long before. So there have been two major slaughters in Bible history. One of them is the slaughter that took place when Herod was looking for Jesus. They killed all the babies under the age of two years because he was looking for 
Messiah, and there was another slaughter that took place uh, much earlier during the time that Pharaoh saw that Israel was growing too strong, and he ordered a slaughter of all babies under the age of two years. And Moses' mother used wisdom and faith to save her child. God says that that will be the same kind of crying that we will see here in America, because God says that America started as a nation of family values, but now the family values are going to be destroyed because he says family will become a thing of the past. And what the Lord is speaking of here is that people's children will be taken from them. Family values literally means a strong father. It means um, a loving mother, a supportive and a nurturing mother. It means children who are raised according to biblical principles. And in so doing, the father keeping his role, the mother keeping her role, and the children keeping their role, the entire family is ring-fenced around by the pleasantness of obedience to God's laws. But we don't have families like that anymore. We have blue hair, green hair, two mommy families. We have polyamorous families that I'm not even going to go into because I'm not trying to gross myself out tonight. We have two daddy families. We have group sex families. We have gay people adopting children and using them for likes and clicks on social media, such as that man that went viral for brushing his child like a pet pig that he bought at the store. We have all kinds of aberrations here that are being rubber stamped as this is family. And God says that there is no more value in the family. And therefore this thing called family will be broken up. And I have spoken of this before. I have spoken of it every time I describe the type of slavery that will come here. The type of slavery that existed in America in the old days was called bonded servitude. That means that you literally worked for Massa until your liver, lungs, and pancreas decided that they were tired, and then you were just simply put in the old slave graveyard. Bonded servitude means you're not going anywhere. This was a form of Roman servitude. That was what they used to call it. In those days when the slave was sure that he wanted to stay with his master forever, he would allow himself to be taken to the door. They would take him to the doorpost and they would expose his ear and then he would have a nail driven through the ear. And that was a sign that he was agreeing to stay with this person forever. So the slavery they had was even a little bit different. Slaves could go to school. Slaves could rise quite high in the household, like Joseph rose high in the household. Slave had rights. Slaves could read. That's why they were interested in the gospel. And that is why the Lord made sure to say that if the slave wants to be a Christian, his master should not prevent him, which was revolutionary at that time. American slavery is quite different. This is the slavery of no rights. This is the slavery of no sleep. If the cotton needs to get to market by morning, this means that everyone young and old is picking throughout the night using these long burning torches under the gun of the overseer to meet the quota. Imagine your boss today keeping you in the office to meet a big quota and we're just working you through the night. No water, no food, no air conditioning, no nothing just burning out your retina, staring at that screen. And even then, this is not physical labor. This does not involve the misuse of your body as a woman, as a man, in beating, in sexual molestation, in raping a six-year-old, in making a 12-year-old a mother. I've covered all these things. And even if I had not covered it, it is the Lord's estimation, not my own, that these things should be sitting heavy on the conscience of a nation, but they don't. 
This is why the prophecy chop down the tree was given to me. This is 2020, 2021. The judgment came from the Lord, chop down the tree. And that judgment first came to King Nebuchadnezzar. And so I thought the Lord was going to say, and bind it about with a band of iron, which means this is a limited time judgment. The nation will be held by the judgment. Nebuchadnezzar was held by the ringed iron of his judgment for seven years. Nobody could get that king out of that judgment. If they had given him access to the highest doctors of his day, no one would have restored to him the mind of a man because God took his mind. An iron judgment cannot be turned back. But after seven years, he says, and then I looked up to heaven and my mind returned to me. Who gave him the mind? The same person who took it and kept it banded with iron for seven years when he had served the full seven years outside wet under the dew of heaven, half naked or fully naked, eating grass like an animal. The Lord let him regain his senses and this man became a full-time practicing man of faith and died like that and left his idiot son in his place, who having seen God do that to his father, repeated the sins of his father. And in his case, God did not give him a band of iron. God killed him immediately because that is what God does to people who should have learned and do not. And so, because the families have lost value here in America, God says that the young ones will be taken from the parents. And as I've described here, this bonded servitude that will come will not only involve extremely hard labor, backbreaking labor, not enough food, not enough warm clothing in winter, not enough clothing for the women, women subjected to whatever these people want to do. There will be people kept here as workers and there will be people even worse. That is the worst one, taken off on the boats this bonded servitude is for life. When they take people to Beijing, when they take people to Kiev and Siberia to build roads or to do whatever, those people are not coming back. I shared the vision that I saw of the little girl, a little girl, blonde, smudged up face. She couldn't even, she wasn't above 10 years old. She was one of those ages below six, seven, I don't know, young in a beautiful blue dress that had become all smudged up and everything with work. And she was asking in one of those, I saw her standing in one of those Chinese dormitory cities. She was asking, I want to go home. I want to go home. And a voice spoke. I didn't say the overseer's voice. It was a voice coming from above. And the voice says, there is no home for you anymore. So to those of you, I'm telling you, it's 1 a.m., if I'm sitting here, you must know that I, like the Lord, do not waste my time. I do not take time lightly. So I'm telling you things, listen so that your heart can be clicked like a seatbelt into the proper posture. You that have this fake viewpoint of God. Oh, I think that there's going to be a separate rapture for the children. Why do you think this? What church do you go to? Let's have this discussion. What church do you go to? Who's teaching you there? Is it a banana or an orange? Who, who gave you these ideas that this, this is what God does? There's no story in the Bible that, that God did that. God would judge the Philistines. Israel would go over there. Israel would kill everybody. Israel would sin against God. God would allow Medea to come over them, wipe out the entire town. So it was, it was wipe out situations back then. And then what happened? 
the New Testament came in and the orange or the banana at your church then told you that God has changed into someone who now creates special outcomes for children. And imagine, this is the same God who is watching this nation chop children up in abortion and crush them into facials. So he is allowing America to do that. But then when it's his turn to judge the children of America, then he will be like, well, you know, I'm just going to overlook everything that happened here. And I'm, I'm yes, I have a, f- a special rapture for the children. And then after that, I'm going to deal with the adults separately. It is a terrible thing to be facing a terrible judgment and then you are deceived and, and you refuse to occupy the one hope that you have, which is reality. It is, it is terrifying to watch adults some of whom are older than me, thinking in this way. Children will be taken away from their parents and they will be shipped to all sorts of places with children of their same age. Little boys will be with little boys. And then the little boy age groups will be from this to this one. And then from this one to this one. And then from from five to 10 or from five to seven. And then from seven to 11 like that, going through the age grades, like boys in age groups, and then a further separation out of the age groups. So you'll have the 15 to 19 age group. And then in that 15 to 19 age group, there will be a further separation between the strong, hefty ones and the slender ones. So the slender chess master types, the ones who are extremely good with numbers, the ones who are extremely, those boys are going to be used differently just the way America had the big buck males in the field and then the slender ones were doing bookkeeping like Joseph and things like that. That's exactly how it's going to be. The bigger boys will be taken to work next to youthful men, 20 to 25 like that. They'll be working in trains like that. They're not going to be sending these slender boys to do these things unless there is not enough labor. Slender boys will be working in the household. I shared the vision that I saw a young man in China, they had dressed him. He was a, a house working slave, a blonde boy. And he was, he was a point of curiosity in the house where he had been taken. He had the bright blue eyes and the blonde hair and Chinese people don't have those things. So the household that had bought him, whenever guests would come in, that's the first thing they would want to do, running their hands through the boy's hair. Oh, blonde staring into his eyes. If Chinese people want blue eyes, usually they have to buy contacts if that's what they want. But this boy had these different features. And so he had an additional pull as a curiosity. I've said the same thing for black women who end up on that ship. I've said the same thing for Latina women who end up on that ship. People will be interested in those women simply because they are voluptuous, because their bodies are interested. Interesting to men who are not used to that type of shape that occurs in this population of women. And I saw that they were interested in in women who had ginger hair, women who had green eyes, blue eyes, freckles, different features that you can't find over there. And I said that the Russians were not very interested in all this sexual brothel business. 
The Russians are coming here for business. They're coming here for the gold bars. They're coming here for the art. They're coming here for the long lost two cups of King Tut that are somewhere in Manhattan under, under the basement of a rich person. That's what the Russians were interested in. They were interested in material wealth. They were also interested in paying America back score for score for score for score. Have I not prophesied here that when they put people in the camps, they were torturing them with the knowledge that their children were gone. Did I not say that they were sitting at the tables and asking, so where is your daughter? Knowing that they've shipped the daughter somewhere else, knowing that, and the woman is crying and she's breaking down emotionally and God saying, yes, because the same emotional breakdown that the people had in Guantanamo Bay, I'm finishing this work. There is nothing to gatekeep here. You must hear the truth. And for some of you, the more I speak, the harder you get. But then that's just because you are chaff for fire. The type of person who won't repent, even if Jesus stood in front of you himself and delivered these words, you would say, but so what? Other people have done it. You are stones and the water is lost on you. This water is for people who will drink. This water is for those who will repent. The mockers, scoffers, those with wax in their ears. Sir, ma'am, you're on your own. God says the same way that the hearts of people have broken in Guantanamo Bay. People just picked up randomly. You're part of Al-Fazez. I don't know who Al-Fazez is. Punch, punch, break his eye, break his nose. Don't lie to us. You don't know what happens in that place. You don't know anything. You don't know anything. And the people who know are mute. They will never tell you. They have strict government orders not to speak. They just tell you, no, trust us, we know, we know. We've caught an important, America just literally tells you that they bombed somewhere and they bombed an important cousin of Al-Fazir. And you'll just believe it. Yeah, we, we got Al-Fazir's cousin. You don't know nothing. And you are so willing to consume lies and so unwilling to be judged and to repent for consuming the lies, for perpetrating the myths that you are given by the liars who rule this nation in the midst of deceit. The White House says that they've got uh, Mr. Faziz. Yeah, we, 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 who's we? Who is we? You have identified with the murder. And now that you hear the sentencing for the murder, you will step back and say, well, uh, Celestial, I never did it. I don't, I don't know what you did. I'm here on duty working to the best of my ability. The way the hearts of these people have broken, unfairly accused, kept from their wives, kept from their homes. Do you know what it is to be somewhere else and people are speaking English to you, screaming English at you and you can't understand it? God says that people will understand it. When Russian is screamed at you and Chinese is screamed at you, these people, they can speak English. Putin can speak English. He sits there with the headphones on and he will not speak English. And Americans do not understand that this is the motion of foreign leaders refusing to show deference to Western powers. They can all speak English, Indonesia, Thailand. They are trained. These men are just as selected to their positions as they select here in our country. They are trained in English, because English is the power language. That's where all the money moves. 
They can't speak it. They refuse to speak it as a power move, as a sign that they will not defer to the West. They would rather sit there with those huge ear mitts for three hours and pretend that they can't hear and that they need the interpreter to speak. And for all we know, the interpreter could just be saying, Mr. President, what do you want to have for dinner after this? They can hear everything. They understand. They simply refuse to bow. They simply refuse to defer. They have as much pride as is here. And they will not hesitate to move. When God stops backing you, your enemies will glow up. Your enemies will become like that skinny kid who suddenly started going to the gym and you see him after one summer and you can't believe that skinny Billy has glowed up like that. This is what God is saying, that he will literally step back and let these two nations come and do everything that I'm speaking and explaining to you here. And the Lord told me to remake this prophecy. This prophecy was made years ago. But he is saying that it should be remade. There will be separation of families. And God says that he will keep the sheep safe under the shadow of his wings. You love God. I don't know why you're afraid. You love the Lord. You've decided to come out of the world. Even if you decided last week, you saw one of my TikToks and it hit you. The arrow hit you just between the joints of your armor. God knows where to hit a sheep. And you thought, no, 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 no. I can't go out like that. I don't fully know everything she's talking about, but I can't go out like that. I'm, I'm going back. I'm going back. I'm going to find out more information about what she's talking about. And I'm going to find out, you know what? I'm, I'm ordering my first Bible off Amazon. You can order a $600 PlayStation, uh, uh, whatever, but, but a $20 Bible to sit down and start reading it at the start of the year. Is it too much? Is it too much? $600 PlayStation, a $20 Jesus. What choice are you making? You're a righteous person. Pull your joints together. Pull your joints together. You feel fear, that's your job to fight it. It's your job to fight it. Fear doesn't go away. Fear doesn't go away because you cry. Fear doesn't go away because you're depressed. Fear doesn't go away because you don't know what to do. Christians, you do not get a pass through life because you're Christian. Being Christian does not mean that the path of life changes for you because you are saved. If anything, you are expected to have higher problem-solving skills than the average person who is making it work with no Jesus. People are out there figuring it out with no Jesus and you. How now, brown cow? It is incumbent upon us to be less flesh, more spirit, it is our job. It is the requirements of this salvation. That's why it says work it out. It doesn't say cry out your salvation with fear and trembling. It says work it out. Whose salvation? Your own. And if you have children, theirs as well, because they don't know how to do it off the bat. Your wives violated and carried off. I've spoken here that God says that the captivity here, they will be choosing women at random. The hand of God is over you. 
God willing, you won't even be anywhere near. God would have either led you out of the country by that time. God will be keeping you. God will be sheltering that man, that woman, that family. Why would God see a righteous man and let some random foreign invader just ravish your wife in front of you? For what? God is not in the habit of making the hearts of people sad who he has not decided to make sad. God is upset when the wicked make the hearts of the righteous sad. So why would he then usurp the role of the wicked and do it himself? You're serving God in church with all your heart. You love the heavenly father. You take time to kneel down by the bedside and you model in front of your little twins what a praying dad looks like. For what is somebody kicking your door in to come and force himself on your wife in front of you? No, that's for these couples who have the wall pole and the harness in their house doing all the most. They want to be brothel people, so the invader will just come and make it a, a three-group thing. Never doubt that God knows where, the, where you are with your wickedness. Don't ever think that because you're in the basement doing it. Every step, every drop of our lives is lived in front of witnesses. A great crowd of witnesses, if Hebrew 12 is to be believed. A massive crowd. We're the last generation carrying the baton, falling down, stumbling everywhere, dropping the thing, it's rolling over, and oh my goodness. Everything that we're doing is being recorded. Every act, every word, everything you're doing is being recorded and will be answered for. Grind your teeth, America, because the time of your separation is at hand. This is the pronouncement of the Lord. And so you have heard the pronouncement of the Lord explained step by step. And now the vision that I saw, I saw a beautiful woman and a lot of her body, she was quite voluptuous. And the reason I could see she was voluptuous is because a lot of her body had been exposed through the cloth that she was wearing. Um, she started off with a crown of flowers on her head. And I'm saying that this woman was seriously beautiful. Um, and she was fair and she was the bride of destiny to the Lord. So as I was seeing this cloth, she was wearing was an actual robe. So sleeves and everything, it was a robe like Joseph's robe, a mark of favor. And the, the word that I heard come from God, as I was looking at that beautiful woman in the beginning, in her start was betrothal. Betrothal is just the word for that we use is the same word now engagement. But back then, because the marriage covenant was a lot more complicated, that betrothal carried, it carried the same certainty as if the marriage was already done. So these were highly, highly integrated community, family-based people. So by the time you get to the stage of discussions, um, negotiations and marriage, it's a done deal. It's very hard to now come and say, well, I don't like the, the shape of your daughter's eyebrows and I changed my mind. This is why when Joseph found out that Mary was already pregnant, it gave him a good enough reason to say, I'm not going to marry this girl because marrying someone who clearly has already been with a man is taking shame to myself, my entire family name. He would not have carried on with the betrothal unless God spoke to him. And that is why God did speak to him and say, cover this woman. A betrothal means 
that there is a definite bride, but more important in the betrothal transaction is the bridegroom, the presence of the male, the presence of the male is hinging this thing together. It is his decision to carry through or not. There's no flinging of engagement rings in those days. He's the protector. He's the provider. He's the one who's bringing the bridal price, the dowry or whatever it is. It's, it's lot. It's a lot. It's complicated. It's intricate. It's stronger than a promise. It's just an inch of a hair away from covenant, the actual marriage itself. And so this is what God is saying. The bond I had with this nation, it was as good as married. The bond I had with this nation, I was the protector. I covered it. I made it great. Power, it was me. Influence, I had it knocked down. Whatever she needed, I provided. I kept her enemies at bay. Fame, I took care of it. Trendsetter, I was on top of it. I was the Joseph, she was the Mary, and all she had to do was listen and follow. And America was coming through at that time. God was America's betrothed, the bridegroom of her internal, eternal destiny. And I heard this beautiful woman sighing, and this is what she said, forever, Lord Jesus, you and I are forever. And then as she was speaking, I started to hear my country tis of thee, patriots, standing there, the old men standing there in these, I don't know, these waistcoat things that they used to wear, old shirts, rifle on the back. I saw these people lined up, these other people that look like Quakers lined up, everyone singing at the top of their voice, misty mountains in the background. My country tis of thee and crown thy good with brotherhood from sea to shining sea. Songs of fidelity, songs of promise, songs that we're here, God, and we will get it right. We mean this, you will be our king and righteousness will be the standard. And I felt in the hearts of those people that they meant it. But then this whole thing just, it just dried up. The, so the song, the singing, the initial marriage look, everything just went away. The woman's voice went away and the promise was broken and there was nothing left of it. And then I saw this robe that she was wearing, the same robe of favor, something like Joseph's. I saw that it turned into a flag and this woman was not in a good shape. When it turned into a flag on her body, the flag looked like it had been ripped in many places like a wild animal and her body, her upper body and her thighs were peeking through all over the place. And she was still trying to cover herself, but there was not enough left of the flag to do a decent job. The woman looked confused. She looked dazed. And yes, she had been abused. There were scratches on her body and on the front of her private area, I could see that she had been abused. There was blood there in the front. And then I saw two captains come and they grabbed her by the hand. They took her like this and each one put a shackle on a wrist and they took her down to the sea and there were ships there waiting to carry her off to the east where these two captains had come from. America was wilted and she could not stand. She was walking very slowly. And as she was going down, the last of the flag flight flew off and she stood there fully naked with her head hanging down and she bowed down and she went into those ships 
And that is how the slavery will be. If you have not heard all the many videos that I have made, this was the first one. You are listening to the very first one. And the way this thing shocked me cannot be properly expressed. But I've been speaking about it now for almost five years. I saw Jesus standing there by the, by the shoreline, white robe and the blue sash as I have seen him before. He was a very imposing presence and he appeared in two forms at the same time. He stood there at the shoreline watching them take her off and he was the size of a man, but at the same time, standing a little bit from the shoreline, he appeared like a massive mountain. So the Lord was very, very, very imposing. A huge cliff is what he looked like. And his face was absolutely fixed, blank. He wasn't looking with any sympathy. He wasn't looking with any mercy. He didn't have a tiny hint of any kind of care and no expression on his face. His face was what we call impassive, no expression, you can't read it. And America was not able to cry for herself. She was in so much shock that this was happening to her. And so they carried her down to the water and she started splashing in the water, going to where, to where this boat was docked. And then the whole thing moved away. And then the Lord began to speak to me because I was also standing on that beach watching. The Lord began to speak to me and he said, she put me off with strong arms, beloved. He said, strong arms. This is, this is literally a woman using her arm at full stiffness to push a man away from her. Yes, we don't have the biggest strength, but it can be made very clear to a male, don't come near me and I don't want you near me at all. The Lord was saying that America fought him. She fought me in the bedchamber and she refused all my tender advances to teach her my statutes and my laws. I wanted to lead her, but she would not have me. Therefore, I who am stronger, now put off her advances. With stronger arms, I put you off, America. Go where your captors are leading you. You will not see these shores again. And so there was Jesus giving an explanation for himself and saying, she fought me. And the most famous one we know, oh, they took prayer out of the schools. But is that all? Is that really all? Real women need help in the United States to deal with um, mastatic cancer. They're dealing with, with breast problems and they cannot get their insurance under the government policies that govern insurance in this country. Women facing fear of breast cancer, women, women needing actual help, cannot get the help. But then a whole man, a walking XY, can go to the insurer and say that he needs gender affirming, what's it do? And then they will pump thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars into his journey to go from John to Jane. Is prayer in the school the only place that God has been taken out? Is there equity in government? How many scandals do the government people need for people to stop loving them? Like how many, how many is okay? How many dead whistleblowers do we need to accept that there's injustice? How many outright murders? The people in power don't even bother to come up with a good explanation for Xing out their enemies. 
The prophecy that I made recently, an old one from February 9th, 2020, it's called Emergency Powers. God said outright, political enemies and competition, anyone who stands in the way of the government, and especially the rise of the beast government, will be killed, will be eliminated. They don't even bother to try and come up with shooter on the grassy knoll stories anymore. They just say, oh, this person blew up and, and next up Super Bowl ads. And collectively, the majority sit in stupefaction, unable to see where we are. Because there's this mindset that that's that person's problem. Until they start jailing us here. In coming into the house without a warrant and jailing people indefinitely and refusing will tell you your 17-year-old is a terrorist threat and therefore he's in massive heavy isolation and cannot be seen by a lawyer at this time. And you haven't had eyes on that boy for like 120 days. You filed every petition. You've cried all the cries. You've gone to seven on your side and they've just told you flat no. The way they tell the people in Afghanistan and the way they tell the people at Guantanamo, no. Does it have to come to that point? And so God has been taken out of the country. Even the people in the church don't want to hear God. He says that you don't want to hear his statutes and his laws. You fight them. So the word of prophecy come and then you will gather together in groups and be like, yes, I'm, I'm sensing that it's, it's coming from an unclean spirit. It's coming from a place of hate. So God is now a hater. The Holy Spirit is now an unclean spirit. He says that now he will put the country off because he has stronger arms. This literally is telling you, you fought me at the time that you were strong. And then when you come to me now and you need help, I will put you off because my arms are stronger. Go where your captors are taking you. You will not see these shores again. And so I, I said, with a heavy heart, I am announcing that at a time in the future, due to war and foreign invasion by the twin behemoths, of Russia and China, Americans will be carried off into slavery into those lands to serve their enemies. They will not see this coming. They have never in their lives ever planned for this eventuality. They will be carried off like cattle in transportation vehicles and bound with zip ties. And I was seeing at that time black and white zip ties, but I've seen all the colors, red, purple, yellow, green. They will not have chains. For many of them, this captivity will be a final destination. They will not return. They will die in captivity. Families will be separated. Men and boys on one side, women and girls on the other side. Both sides will suffer. This is male and female sides. This is young and old. Grandmothers will be caught up in this thing. I've seen it. Nakedness will be uncovered. These captors are merciless and sport and labor are their priorities. Females will be at a bitter disadvantage for obvious reasons. And the scripture that was coming to me was when Nebuchadnezzar came, when he finally broke through that siege wall um, that Israel had, the one that 
Jeremiah spent 40 years telling them that God says that we should open up the gates and we should surrender to these people. God says if we surrender to these people, it will go easier for us. And they didn't want to hear him. They didn't want to listen to him. And so by the time Nebuchadnezzar's forces finally broke in, they were raging mad because they had been kept outside those walls for quite some years. And so he, he literally took every useful human being. He took the strong, he took the warriors, he took everybody into slavery. He only left the old, the sick, and the very, very young that he knew if I march these babies, if I'm marching a two-year-old all the way back to Babylon, I'm just, I'm just making a problem for my soldiers because I'm going to have to keep stopping and burying them because a two-year-old can't make this journey, especially everybody's naked, the sun, the heat, the elements. And so he just left the little ones there and he emptied out that nation. And this is the word of the Lord that has come. Repent of your sins. Confess your sins to God and be baptized into eternal life now while you are able in Jesus Christ's name. And so I have scriptures to read from the Lord. I've been reading all these scriptures out. Excuse me, please. I've been reading out all these scriptures on screen for many years. But first, um, the prophecies concerning slavery are very many, but if you want to go and look at particular ones, here are their names. Um, diaspora, one is called Diaspora. Another one is called No Mercy for America. Another one is called The Glory of the Chaldeans Pride. Another is called The Times Are Coming. Another is called the Iron Pen. Another is called the Third Nation, Korea United and Judgment for Slavery. And the last one that you can check, that even though it was talking about financial ruin of America, God still put quite a lot of information about Russian invasion and slavery in there, is called America is Broke. And so... The Lord said to me before I started this prophecy today that... These scriptures should be read. And so the first one is from, if you have your Bible, I will be reading from the book of Jeremiah. All the scriptures come from Jeremiah. I'm reading from Jeremiah chapter 15, verses 11 to 14. And this is what the word of God says. And yes, the Lord said, surely it will be well with your remnant. Surely I will cause the enemy to intercede with you in the time of adversity and in the time of affliction, can anyone break iron, the northern bronze, the northern iron and the bronze? Your wealth and your treasures I will give as plunder without price because of all your sins throughout your territories. And I will make you cross over with your enemies into a land which you do not know for a Fire is kindled in my anger, which shall burn upon you. And so whenever God is talking in these prophecies, since I started, God would always talk about Russia and call it the North, the land of the North. Out of the North comes a boiling pot. Out of the North comes my fury, my avengers from the land of the North. This is how the Lord speaks about Russia continually. Russia is going to lead this charge here into this nation. And as you heard me read at the end of the prophecy, America will never be expecting 
this hit from Russia, which you might think, but we've been hearing it for many years now. We know God says that this will be an unanticipated strike. What that should tell students of history and students of the Bible is that at a time that America will be enjoying some kind of sick beast system, utopian age with all the AIs walking around and going, can I choose your clothing for you this morning, Stuart? At the time where nobody is expecting this, that is when these people will do this. So they're not coming when everyone's going Russian China, Russian China. No, at the time that it is a, a blow, an unanticipated blow, a sucker punch, I've been saying, a sudden strike, that is when these people will manifest from within, manifest from without, and nobody is going to be expecting it. And I have said in recent prophecies, even church people, even us who pray, even us who are prophesying it, this is going to be a kind of no man knows the day and hour thing which is why wisdom is required now. You hear the Lord saying, have money on hand. You hear the Lord saying, prepare a document. It doesn't mean that you prepare the passport and then tomorrow. What is even more important than preparing a document is charting a path in the heart. You come out of Mystery Babylon first in the heart. You separate from the sins of this harlot nation in the heart first. It starts with personal, genuine repentance. Personal, genuine repentance is not the work of a day. It is not the work of two days. Just the way we lay roads and we put the little rocks, the bigger rocks, and we keep filling it with tar and pitch until it reaches up to the level and then we smooth it over. If, yours, if you know that sin has built up like that, there are a ton of people who think they're doing well with God. They come to this channel, they listen to five, 10 videos, they go through the repentance series. Next thing you know, I'm getting letters. Compared to what you're teaching, Celestial, I was an absolute heathen, two steps away from heaven, half a step. And it doesn't surprise me because when the Lord called me, he told me, I'm going to set you at the crossroads where people on a direct path to hell will encounter you. This is what he told me. And he said, for many of them, you are the last chance I'm going to give them. The truth that you're speaking, the forcefulness that you're speaking with, the discipline, the godly rebuke that most of them have never heard in their entire church careers. He said for most of them, whether they recognize it or not, you are the last choice that chance that I will give them. They walk past what you're telling them about holiness. They walk past what you're telling them about repentance. They refuse to break up with these sugar mama, sugar boyfriend, whatever's that they're doing. They walk past this off ramp. The next thing is meeting me for judgment. There are people who are going to have a personal, personal judgment with God before anything gets going. They're not going to be here. They're going to get judged in their young age. Look at these babies on TikTok every five minutes, remembering you, Monica, 16 year old, gone from this world by her own hand, suicide for what? Who do you think is eating up these children? Satan is having the time of his life in this lawless generation. Aren't you depressed? Doesn't everybody hate you? Look at you, your eyes are not like her. Don't you, don't you wanna stop living? For what are these children being 
eaten up in this nation. If it's not iniquity, the spirits, the wickedness that are taking your children from you before they can become men and women. Is it so hard to bow the knee and to repent to God for sin? Those who listen to this prophecy, well, I never did it. How do you know what your ancestors did? In the prophecy diaspora, I spoke of this because the Lord showed it to me. He showed me these pictures, these pictures of people hanging from the trees, lynched, and there's two-year-olds and four-year-olds smiling at the bottom of those pictures. Was that your grandfather? Do you know where your grandfather was? Do you know what your grandmother did? Who she caused to be hung? Yes, he was looking at me as I was by the river. You don't know anything. So why are you risking it rather than repenting? It's pride. It's the little weed that stands up like this and refuses to bend. Pharaoh was a little reed that ended up like this under the water. Repentance is free. It is a process and you will know when you've done it correctly because you'll feel a hundred pounds lighter. You will feel like the sun is shining in your heart. The way people fight to protect their sin, you would think it was their grandfather's ancestral lands that they're passing down onto them. Gotta keep that sin in the family, gotta defend it. You don't know my story, you don't know my struggle. Many people are struggling their way right into the lake of fire. I'm simply standing here at the crossroads of foolishness and wisdom and crying out, turn from your sins, turn from your sins, repent and come back to the cross, be baptized. There's nothing further required of me besides that. Jeremiah 15, 11 to 14, God says that it will be well with the remnants because he will cause the enemy to intercede with them in the time of adversity and the time of affliction. This literally means what I've been saying here all along. These people are going to have something like an internal GPS in them. They're going to be so harsh to people who were sinning that you're going to wonder if Vladimir Putin had a little spy cam in your house to know it was you who was doing things that will anger God. They will be moved by the Holy Spirit. God has said that he is bringing these people here for judgment. He's doing it. They will have an uncanny eye. You see the Russians and Chinese being excessively cruel to someone. And then someone else says, I'm thirsty. And they're like telling the soldier, go and bring water. And they're handing the water to a family. You and your family are standing right there. They're giving water to another family, not to you. God knows the difference between light and shadow, sheep and goat, fake and real. And these people will reflect it without even knowing what they're doing. God is saying here, the enemy is the one who's going to intercede for you. What does intercede mean? It means that a judgment is flying at you full tilt and someone blocks it. And God is not saying, oh, I, God will block it. He said, I'll make the enemy block the wickedness. Someone will want to hit a man and the other captain will say, no, don't strike him. Doesn't even know why he's protecting the man. Raise your hands up like this, no blow landing. Another man standing next to you does nothing, is quiet. A man of sin in his pre-captivity life, beaten to within an inch of his life for nothing. You're standing right there. Who reads Psalm 91? A thousand will fall by your side, 10,000 by your right hand, but it shall not come near who? 
near you. Who's that you? He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High. So non-dwellers, all this rain, all this rain is for your head. So keep out there with Julie Greens and the rest of the quack masters who are making the videos and telling you that you will have peace. Because that's what they did in Jeremiah's day. Woe to you who follow the false prophets who tell you that you will have peace, who tell you you don't have to listen to that. That's doomy and gloomy. The enemy will intercede for some, and that some is called the remnant. And God says that nobody can break the northern bronze and the iron. This is, this is a judgment that nothing. If you're fasting about this, I suggest fast changing your fast to something else, like fasting for your rainbow child, fasting for a promotion at work, if you're hoping for one, fast so that you can keep your temper, fast so that you can control your tongue, fast so that you can overcome gluttony, fast so you can break the addiction of cigarettes, but this is a wasted effort. This is an ironclad judgment. Russia and China are not suddenly not going to come because Russia and China are famously mentioned in Revelation 18. They're coming no matter what anyone says. That showdown meant for the United States from Revelation 18 is happening. So there's no need. Don't be like Israel who, when they were judged, would then say, we're going to fast about it. Moses told them, God has passed the judgment. Let's get going. And they were like, no, no, we were wrong before we spoke too soon. Let's go and enter the promised land. They went and then they killed them. Then they came back and found Moses and Joshua chilling with Caleb. Because when God says it's coming, it's coming. There's no need to waste your energy on a thing that is set. You divert energy to where it can have impact. That's why the Bible says the effective and fervent. So fervent is passionate. You have to pray with life. But then effective means stop wasting your time on things that God isn't going to change. He's not changing this. So what you then pray is you pray for the path through it. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no Russians. <sighs> I will give your plunder and your wealth as treasures without price. So that means basically the people will come here and they will just take things for free. They will just, they will just take things for free. Taking plunder without price means that you take people's gold, you take their silver, you take their cars, you take their flat screens, their everything. You just take it and it, it comes at no cost to you. And then God says, I will cross you over with your enemies to a land you do not know because you've kindled a fire in my anger which will burn upon you. And so God is basically saying that America has made him extremely angry, so, so, so angry. And the Lord has been speaking to me about this. Uh, my computer crashed, actually. That's why I've been gone so long, uh, I had a computer failure and a lot of other things dealing with spiritual warfare. People actually think that, I don't know, aggravation will make me stop doing this work. Absolutely nothing will make me stop doing this work. My face is so set. You might as well call me cement. Uh, nothing is going to make me stop doing this work, but it was, it was quite a journey to recover this data that was not backed up but God is very merciful and everything is now protected and safe. And so, yes, that kind of added and extended the time. But God is saying that uh, people will be crossed over into a foreign land because he is so angry. And like I said, the Lord was talking to me during the time that I have not been here. And he has been saying, truly, 
Please listen to me. America, you were always going to get the judgment. This, this country was always going to get the judgment, but truly, the things that people have been doing and saying of late, recently. I've always said to righteous people here that the, the hardest thing for us, those of us who actually want to hear the prophecies, those of us who actually want to give God room to speak, said the hardest thing for us is having to share space with, with fools. This is the kindest term that I can come up with, one that is sanctioned by Proverbs. The hardest thing for a righteous person is to share space with a fool. And nowhere is this clearer than when you have siblings who, when your parents make a pronouncement, four of the siblings will keep quiet and say, okay. And then there's that one. The parent is almost out the door and then that one says something. That one does something. That one is obstinate. What usually happens in those, in those situations? When a parent is extremely fed up, I'm not talking about a parent who's in the middle stages or a parent who's, I'm going to have a good day. I'm going to have a good day. I'm not talking about those ones. I'm talking about a parent who is at hair trigger point and says, I don't want to hear it anymore. I'm working. I don't want the disturbance. I don't want the noise. I don't want the, the house to be messy. Parent is almost out the door and then that one person just has to say something. What does that parent do? That parent turns around and revokes everybody's privileges. That parent turns around and puts everybody on a timeout because that's what happens when fire is kindled in the hearts of the just. And so to all those who think that it's possible that a nuke will come here and then just before it hits the nuke will say, oh, wait, wait, this is a town of righteous and unrighteous. Okay, I'm gonna go this way. That's not gonna happen. Tsunami water doesn't differentiate between who is who. It is God who is actually the shield. The judgments are going to come holistically to the whole area, but those who are walking under the shadow of the Almighty, kept and hidden in the secret place, it is actually Jesus, the same Jesus who told the storm to stop. It is that same Jesus who will interject and command, this house should not flood. This house here on this street should not flood. We had a storm here in New York City in 2021 that flooded out the entire neighborhood. I was living in that house. We didn't even have a drop of water in the basement. The house owner was telling me I was living there. I was renting there. I don't move into a house and there's, oh, whatever happens, happens. No, there's nothing like that. The place where I live, I have the power and the ability and the authority in this Bible to command the favor of God over where I live. To pray for angels to stay on assignment where I live. The house owner was telling me, have you seen celestial? People have lost expensive land lawn mowers. People, they're bringing out all their junk. All the neighbors on both sides of the street, all the way down that street, they were bringing out precious things, couches. You know how people set up their basements and make it so amazing, flat screen. It's the husband's privacy den. The water went in and ruined everything. People were bringing out stuff. We didn't bring out anything on our house but the trash. Do we have Christians like this? You hear that tsunamis are coming. You hear that FEMA is going to take people's homes and shovel them into centers and drug them to hurt them. Do you have the kind of faith that can stand up to these things? Is it, is it get ready, get, get ready, get ready faith?
that has prepared you for the end times? Is it a Creflo dollar-built faith, a Joyce Meyer faith, a firehouse faith? Is that the faith you're planning to stand on when the government goes rogue and starts taking people for indefinite detention? That's how you're going to fight. God, you're good. We'll go to Jeremiah 17. It's just one book over. I've read this verse on camera many, many, many times. Jeremiah 17, 1 to 4. The sin of Judah is written with a pen of iron, with a point of a diamond. It is engraved on the tablet of their heart and on the horns of your altars. While their children remember the altars and their wooden images by the green trees on the high hills. O oh, my mountain in the field, I will give as plunder your wealth, all your treasures and your high places of sin within all your borders. And you, even you, will let go of your heritage which I gave you, and I will cause you to serve your enemies in the land which you do not know. For you have kindled a fire in my anger which shall burn forever. So you just heard the full explanation of what it means to kindle a fire in the heart of a righteous God that is burning. A fire that is burning, okay. That's what it said in Jeremiah 15. And as I was reading it, I was thinking, I wonder if this is something that has been dropped out of my Bible because I remember the word forever being there. Here is the passage where the word is. You've kindled a fire in my anger, which shall burn forever. So this means that the person is continually angry. So you're out there listening to people that is telling you that God's not done with America. And the man is telling you in the morning when you wake up, I'm angry because while you've been sleeping, I've been watching all the Illuminati rituals with your favorite pastors in attendance, eating flesh and drinking blood. I'm continually angry that grown adults cannot go out and shop anymore and make it home safely. The adults are going missing at the same rate as the children now, but there's no Amber Alert for older people, for grandmas, for moms, for fathers, for 22-year-old men. They end up on Crime Stop. That's where they end up. They end up in fact, the podcasts on YouTube are so busy now because there's no end of murders now to cover. And so God is again saying wealth treasures will be given as plunder, which means to be plundered means that an, an opposing army has come and taken what you have. And again, you hear him saying, you will let go of your heritage that I gave you. So this is what he said in the prophecy. He gave the land to the settlers. Original people, you're listening, you're upset. You shouldn't have sinned the sins that you sinned. And God is always warning that you're at risk because your father's blood is in you. And that obstinacy is deep. It is generational obstinacy. That's why you're out there practicing Egyptology and talking about, no, the Nile River is where we draw strength. All kinds of nonsense, really. It's generational iniquity. It takes serious repentance. You need to read the book of Daniel. I think it's Daniel 9. You need to read the book of Daniel to understand what it is to repent of generational iniquity. Daniel was not guilty for the sin that landed them in Babylon. He was a boy. He was a child. 
And the kind of sins that were making God angry were the sins that the elders, the leaders, the religious elite, usually those three groups are what really anger God. Adult sin, leadership sin, and those who are supposed to be leading the church becoming corrupted. Those things make him infuriated. And once you get that slow boil of the anger going, it just keeps going and going and the sin is piling up until the day of judgment comes. But Daniel repented in Daniel chapter nine and everywhere you see him speaking, he keeps saying we. He says, we and our fathers have done this. So the people who are hearing the judgment for slavery is coming for ancestral wickedness of previous slavery. That's the place you need to be praying from. You don't need to be defending yourself and doing, this is some of the things that make God angry. This narrative of it's in the past, in the past, according to who are you the boss of the past? Who, who is flesh to determine where past begins and ends for an ageless birthday free deity like Jesus he never celebrates birthdays. God, he doesn't have a birthday, doesn't have a death day. It's Jesus who has these things, but Jesus is the lamb who was slain before the beginning of the world. So even he is agelessness that consented to exist within a time frame before going back to his ageless time before Abraham was, I am. He made it clear. I'm just encased in flesh for a season. Who are we with a birthday and a death day to tell the agelessness who is ageless that something is in the past? This thing that you call the past, God blinked his eye and Abraham was alive and he was telling him iniquity of Amorites. And then God blinked his eye again and his people were on the ship. He blinked his eye again. And we are here. And he's saying he will get rid of the Yehudim, gather his people, put them back in their land. And you're here discussing the past. Let's move past it. Let's grow. South Africa, the same. South Africa, the same. Grow past what? If these things are not addressed, only God will address these things. We go next to Jeremiah 47, just looking at three verses here. Jeremiah 47, one to three. The word of the Lord that came to Jeremiah the prophet against the Philistines just before Pharaoh attacked Gaza. Thus says the Lord, behold, waters rise out of the north and shall be an overwhelming flood. They shall overflow the land and all that is in it this city and all those who dwell within. Then the men shall cry and all the inhabitants of the land shall wail at the noise of the stamping hooves of his strong horses, at the rushing of his chariots, at the, rumble, at the rumbling of his wheels. The fathers will not look back for their children, for they will be lacking courage. This verse here about fathers not looking back to look for their children because they will be lacking courage. I brought this exact verse here. The prophecy is called Babylon wars and something else. And in that prophecy, God said that the time will come where the attack on the United States will be so sudden. It will be so sudden that he said that fathers will flee and they will leave their children behind because of the noise of the people shouting. The noise of the people shouting is what happens in a sudden attack when everyone just 
is so surprised and just begins screaming because there's rocket launchers and because there's gunfire and there's because smoke grenades or stun grenades, whatever people do when they want to shock the other side and voices will be raised suddenly and people will just scatter and flee. And God said, before I saw this verse, he said that fathers are basically going to run away and leave their own children there out of fear. So this is a very different picture from all the men who are constantly under news reports and saying, Russia wouldn't dare to try it. We would nuke them to the moon. Russia can't even beat Ukraine. They would never be able to take America in a fair fight. Russia's just going to come here like... Anyway, that's what the verse is saying, that when the waters start coming out of the north, basically the Lord is saying that the bubbling fury with which these people will come forth is going to be the exact nature of an overflowing flood. So when a flood just comes suddenly and just washes everything away, he says that the waters coming out of the north will be an overflowing flood that's going to overflow the land and everything in it to the point that men will cry. Men will cry, and then the second part says, and then all that inhabit the land shall wail. So the special point is made that the type of attack is going to make the men who are thinking now that they will stand up to the attack cry. So the only time a man really cries, this person must be really caught with his pants down. So you will not be attacked on the day that you're standing on the wall and you're strapped up with six levels of Rambo bullets and everything. No. The time you cry is when your enemy has outfoxed you so bad that all you can do is cry with fury. It means you've got the ammo, you've got the guns, you've got the maps, you've got the little night scope. You have everything that would have given you a fighting chance against this person, but this person came and basically caught you in the bathroom, having a shower, something like that. That kind of thing would cause a man to weep with fury, frustration, and genuine sorrow that he's been caught like that. And this is what God is basically painting a picture here of. The last one I will go to that the Lord gave me is basically a warning to the church. And we're going to go to Jeremiah, Jeremiah chapter 28. Please excuse my voice. It's quite late now. Um, Jeremiah chapter 28, I'm going to paraphrase. Basically, this is a situation of a confrontation between they used to call Jeremiah a lot because of what Jeremiah was prophesying in absolute defeat by the Babylonians being taken into captivity, being taken into captivity naked. Um, he was not a popular prophet. They were constantly abusing him and, uh, he was not favored. They were constantly summoning him to something like Royal councils. So sometimes they would call him up to the palace and when Jeremiah would get there, it would be the king and a ton of people and all the religious people and all the prophets who thought that they were better than Jeremiah. They would call him and surprise him and just have him in the midst of all these people. And they would strongly try to intimidate him to not speak. Sometimes they would call Jeremiah to the public square. Jeremiah had, I think, at least two public trials whereby all the princes of the land and all the people and everyone gathered together and they were strongly saying that they should kill him. And all Jeremiah told them is, well... You can kill me, but all you will do is bring my innocent blood upon your head. And also, you will not change one word of the prophecies that I'm speaking. And when they heard that, they backed down. And then they started saying, well, 
this man hasn't really done anything worthy of death. And that is how God was keeping Jeremiah through a lot of junk that he was facing from people. But here in Jeremiah chapter 28, once again, Jeremiah had been called to answer and they had brought him now to the church. So they brought Jeremiah to the house of the Lord. He was in the house of the Lord and he was in the presence of all the priests and he was in the presence of all the people. And when he went there, God had told him what to say. And so he said, thus, oh no, Hananiah, he went there and the false prophet began to speak, right? And the false prophet was telling the people that what Jeremiah was saying was a lie. Um, he said that this is what God says. Our God, the God of Israel is saying that I have broken the yoke of the king of Babylon. So bear in mind, Jeremiah's message is that the king of Babylon is going to come. That was Nebuchadnezzar on the time at that time. He said that the king of Babylon is going to come and he's going to put a yoke around the neck of Israel. And we will be basically serving these people. We are going to be under the yoke, which means under servitude and bondage to these people. But this man, Hananiah, raised up and he began to say to Jeremiah in front of all the people. So this is all the people gathered, all the priests and everyone has come to the house of the Lord. And then he's making a proclamation and he says that his prophecy says that God has spoken to him and God has told him that within two full years, he's going to break the yoke of the King of Babylon, meaning that they're currently in the land and the siege is taking place around them. So Babylon's already harassing them right? And this man is saying, it's only going to take two years and God is going to break this siege. And then God will bring back to this place, all the vessels of the temple that Nebuchadnezzar took away in his last campaign. So Nebuchadnezzar made quite frequent, frequent visits and he had taken away all the gold and the silver, captured them and carried them to his house. You will remember that at Nebuchadnezzar's palace after his death, his son, and concubines and wives and friends were drinking out of the sacred gold and silver goblets that used to be in God's house. So God says, so Hanani is giving this prophecy and says, first of all, this siege is going to be broken. Second of all, God is going to do a wonderful new thing. All the, all the glorious grandeur that was robbed from the Lord's house will be brought back here. And what this man is doing is giving very clear signs to the people. So prophetically, you will tell people things and then the people are supposed to hold the details in their mind. And then when the thing fulfills, they will say, well, the thing has come to pass. So he's giving them clear signs, like telling them it's going to, going to take two years to break the siege. He's giving them clear signs, like telling them everything that was taken from the glorious house of our God is going to come back. He even says that the king that had been taken, a previous king that had been taken in a previous skirmish is going to be brought back along with all the captives of Judah who went to Babylon, for I will break the yoke of the king of Babylon. So this guy gives his 1 billion percent false prophecy in front of all the other priests, all the other prophets, and most tellingly in the ears of the people. And then Jeremiah answers, and Jeremiah says exactly the kind of thing that I says. He says, amen, Hananiah, amen. What an awesome prophecy. He says, let the Lord do what you are saying. In fact, let God perform 
all these words that you have prophesied. Let God bring back the vessels of his house that were taken away captives from Babylon back to this place. And then Jeremiah then says, however, I must add this, hear this word that I will now speak in your ears and in the ears of all the people, the prophets who have been before me and even before you of old prophesied against many countries and many kingdoms. And what they spoke of was war, disaster, and pestilence. As for the prophet who prophesies of peace, when that word that he spoke comes to pass, then let that prophet be known as the one whom God has truly sent. So Jeremiah, probably tired of these public hearings and public castigations, tells him what a wonderful prophecy because everybody knows what Jeremiah has been saying. But now this man is saying that there's going to be a mighty reversal and that Jeremiah's prophecy is not true. That in fact, God is getting ready to do an amazing thing. And of course the organist would have been going at it full tilt in those days, or maybe the harp player. And so Jeremiah says, well then let the word that you have spoken come to pass. Let there be peace and let the Lord's vessels come back. And let this yoke that is around the city now be broken. But he says, historically, myself and every prophet of old that God sent prophesied to nations and kingdoms of war, disaster, and pestilence, which is raging outbreaks of disease. So Jeremiah right here is telling all who will listen that true Bible prophecy is never Dunkin' Donuts. By the time you see a prophet showing up, you already know that you haven't done well and you already should know if you truly own and read your Bible, you should already know why the person has come and what the person is going to talk about. And this is why I say to Christians all the time, if you're doing well, why do you constantly need someone to pat you on the back? If you need someone to pat you on the back, simply go and look for a live stream where the pastor is teaching about strength or courage or, you know, endurance or the fruit of the spirit. You have endless of those. You have endless of those, but you have very few that God has truly shaped in the burning coals of his preparation to tell you the truth without fear and without fear of you who complains without fearing you. It is very rare to find someone who is bold enough to say the full truth without fearing you, without fearing the consequences, without fearing how it will be received. Most people are slaves to approval, slaves to the fear of man. What will they think of me? Maybe they will report my video, report it with flying colors and may God bless you on your way there. Jeremiah is saying that it is very rare that you guys are constantly bringing me here as if you don't know that all the prophets before me and myself only spoke war, disaster, and pestilence. And then he says, since you say that there will be peace, since you say that there will be glorious days, let your word be fulfilled so that the people may know that you are the prophet that the Lord has sent. And then what Hananiah does is he walks up to Jeremiah who is wearing a yoke around his neck. Why is Jeremiah wearing the yoke around his neck? Because Jeremiah is wearing what God told him to wear. 
Jeremiah once wore a dirty sash for many, 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 many days, and he didn't take it off until it was stinking on his body. And he wore it because God was teaching Jeremiah the lesson of how anything that comes into contact with man becomes corrupted because of flesh. Jeremiah wore the girdle for a long time, and then God told him, take it off, don't wash it, and put it in a rock. And then it stayed in that rock for many days. And then God said, go get the girdle. And when he went and got it out, it was stenchy and filthy. The Bible says it was ruined and good for nothing. And God said, do you see that? Do you see how it's good for nothing? So too are these people good for nothing. What a lesson. God was saying that these people are full of their flesh. And this is the reason I'm judging them because I can find no good thing in them because they are corrupt by reason of their flesh. Whenever it's talking about flesh, it's talking about pride. Jeremiah had a very hard job to do and bless his soul. He was able to do it in the middle of very loud and constant nonsense. Very good role model for someone who has to do the work that I'm doing. So Jeremiah is wearing a yoke because he's under a different assignment to wear the yoke everywhere that Jeremiah goes when he goes to the market to buy corn for his house, when he goes to the temple to go to church like everybody else, he's wearing the yoke. Why? Because God is making Jeremiah an example of what is coming. The yoke is the sign. I'm wearing the yoke now as the prophet, but the judgment is coming. We will all wear this yoke. And so every time people saw Jeremiah with that yoke, they hated him because no matter how much they hated what he said, they knew what the picture meant. But Hananiah goes up to this man and takes his crusty hand and puts it on the yoke that God set on that young man. For Jeremiah was just a young man. Hananiah dares to come up to a prophet under a bonded assignment. Please listen, because God sent this word for you in America. Doesn't matter what any other nation is saying on the internet right now, it's for you, this message. You, the church of the United States. You, the mocker and the scoffer that is so easily deceived by every word that enters your ears because the heart that is connected to your ears is an itchy heart and it makes your ears itchy for puff pastry like any serious servant of god would risk their eternal soul to tell you what you want to hear and then end up in hell for your sake is this not a confusion and a mystery hananiah takes his hand and puts it on a prophet under assignment, and he breaks the yoke off of Jeremiah's neck. And then he says to the people, as I have broken this yoke, thus says the Lord, I will also break the yoke of Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, off of the neck of all the nations within two short years. So this man is as bold as brass, and he's doing it because he has an audience. This is what usually puts most false prophets into the graves that they're going to go into. I talked about these things in 2021, 2022. That for the first time in history, we will see YouTube graves. You'll be wondering why there's no uploads. You think that God will only do it to the pastors on the platform. No, go and read the prophecy. No more false prophecy. I said for the first time in America, we will see YouTubers in graves. Those who say that they are pastors when they're not, those who say that they're evangelists, anyone touching the fivefold ministry, 
old subscribers, remember that I said that. There's no need to hold it back from you. I said that we will come into terrifying times. You'll be waiting for that upload. It will never come. You will never get the upload. It will be the person's wife or the person's husband coming to tell you uh, it's with great sadness. For daring to touch God's things. When we are fully in the Old Testament experience, then people will say, you know, she told us, but we didn't want to listen because we were living in the grace dispensation, but we didn't notice that this woman had already gone into the future place that God said he was taking us. Do you really think that Matthew 24 will be a time of grace? Do you not know that when we enter into the Matthew 24, Revelation 6, Revelation 12 days, I'm talking wilderness hiding in the bushes and counting the berries that you will drink and straining the swamp water, and you'll be straining that swamp water with such joy, fishing the little frogs out of it with so much joy that you found water. Does this sound like an era of grace to you? When you are in it, when we are in it, you heard the strong men will be crying. They'll be crying in bass and tenor. And then the group will be lamenting in soprano, alto, and mezzo. Because God is serious. And we don't take God serious. So when Hananiah puts his hand on a servant under assignment, breaks this yoke that God told Jeremiah to wear, Jeremiah didn't say anything to him. Jeremiah just went home. It says, and the prophet Jeremiah, after he made this bold prophecy, as I've broken the yoke, thus says the Lord, Nebuchadnezzar's yoke will be broken off of our shoulder within two full years. Jeremiah went home. And then when he went home, the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah at home. And God said to him, go and tell Hananiah and say, thus says the Lord, you broke the yokes of wood but you have made in their place yokes of iron. For thus says the Lord God of hosts, the God of Israel, I have put a yoke of iron on the neck of all these nations that they may serve Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, and they will serve him. I have given him the beasts of the field also. And so Jeremiah went to Hananiah, not in public, he went directly to him and he said to him, Here now, Hananiah, the Lord never sent you, but you have caused the people to trust in a lie. Therefore, thus says the Lord, Behold, I will cast you from the face of the earth. This year you shall die because you have taught rebellion against the Lord. So Hananiah the prophet died that same year in the seventh month. So we don't need to investigate whether Hananiah's prophecy came true because the only thing that happened after several more years passed is that the city fell, Nebuchadnezzar and his generals came in and they were, as I said earlier in the video, extremely furious at having to wait outside the city gates for so long. When you're in a siege, you lose men, you lose resources, you're wasting time because you're basically trying to starve the people in the city out. And when you do that, when you make the people wait outside longer than they should, when they come in, they're terrible. They spend at least the first half a day just stabbing people because they're angry. So Daniel and them going into captivity, that's who was left. The first day is always just slaughter and, and 
slashing horses and just rage because why did you do this? And after that, they take stock, they servant girls and we'll use you to wash our clothes and we're going to sleep with you. And so all this happened. But what happened is Jeremiah went to Hananiah and told him that the Lord had put a certain type of judgment on these people and on all the nations, including us, that Nebuchadnezzar would be our master. But what you did is you stood in front of them and you told them that they had nothing to fear because the prophecy was a lie. You told them that the prophecy did not make sense. You told them that God never sent this person and that this person is lying. And then you substituted your word for the prophecy that God sent. And then you touched the thing that God set on me, Jeremiah, and you broke it. You tried to break my assignment and you lied to the people and they believed you. And so now what God is saying is that for these things, he's going to cast you out of the earth. So let this be a warning to people. You may be new. You may have been here for a long time. I think you know my temperament by now. It's simply to work. The same work ethic I give to a human boss, I'm going to give God that one billion. This assignment will never be broken by anyone. The only way is if Wi-Fi starts, stops working or this nation gets nuked. When it gets nuked, you can just assume that my assignment is over. But until it's actually over, this camera will always go on and I will always say, welcome to the master's voice. I am Celestial. The prophecy for today is, and then I will begin to read from the Bible, taking you through the pages, showing you the will of God, and then encouraging you when the spirit moves me so that you can know how to handle it. But to those who oppose this work. I think the only difference here is you will not be hearing from me. I do not send emails or make calls. These ones will be direct house calls. When you turn God's people away from the wisdom that is standing in the crossroads that says, turn from destruction, turn from death. When you if you caused one single baby Christian who was listening here and was starting to feel fear. Fear is the open and the first step of listening to these prophecies. It's always fear. How can you hear these things and say, well, that was refreshing. It's always fear. The second step is that the person is supposed to start to grow and mature, learning how to battle the spirit of fear. Any Christian who cannot battle the spirit of fear, I do not know what you've been doing with your time in church. Fear is the constant, most persistent enemy of the Christian to silence you, to demoralize you, to tell you, well, there's no hope. If you do not know that hope is buried in the ground, it is your job to get the hammer, pick, shovel, and dig it out for yourself, for your wife, for your kids. No one is supposed to turn you from that assignment. But if someone says there's nothing to fear and you sat back and believed it, you will pay for it as a Christian for believing it. But to the one to the person who turned you aside when God was saying, come, you need to hear, you need to bow down, you need to repent. To that person, Jeremiah chapter 28 is for you. Whether there's one of you, whether there's 50 of you, whether it's the whole TikTok, the whole social media, the whole nation, God has sent me to tell you Jeremiah 28 is for you. And that is how I will wrap up this prophecy. I had hoped to do two today, but... These, uh, especially putting in the Bible verses, always extends it. But um, I, have my, I have my data back. 
So my laptop is alive and well. Um, and so I will be able to continue with these messages. Uh, thank you for being with me. I am Celestial and this is the Master's Voice. You can find the Master's Voice Prophecy blog on Rumble and BitChute and Brighteon. That is where you can find all the COVID prophecies, medical prophecies, 2020 prophecies. YouTube doesn't allow me to keep them here. And then what else? There is Telegram. I have a Telegram account. I have Instagram. I have Facebook. I have TikTok. I have podcasts. There is a Spanish language channel that is very excellently translated by the name of Canal Profetico, La Voz del Señor. And there's also a blog to that effect. All this information is always in the drop-down menu. So simply look below the video and you'll always see that box that has information in there. Please always check that box. If you want to do anything with this ministry, including interacting with this ministry or um, anything else, giving or anything, please can you follow the instructions. And as always, do not inter interact with scammers. I continue warning the scammers make up to five or six new profiles a day. You know, I just can't keep up with that. I have a life too. I have responsibilities. I have things that I'm doing and I don't just camp out here and watch the blog and read your comments all day. I'm, I'm not here. Okay. So please do not interact with scammers. Do not reveal your financial information to scammers. These people will wipe you out even before the economic collapse comes. There are other things. Please hold on a minute. There are other things that I have to say here. Um, the first thing I was speaking about, kindly excuse me. Um, let's just consider that the ending has add, been added on. And now there are a few things that need to be added here just at the end for clarity's sake. 